This is Dr. J. Buzz von Ornsteiner, forensic psychologist from Copycat Killers, Real Channel's true crime program about real murders inspired by movies. Be sure to subscribe to our series on Podcast One and Apple Podcasts. Then go to Reels.com, that's R-E-E-L-Z.com, to find true crime TV series like this one on Reels Channel. This program contains graphic violence. Viewer discretion is advised. February 3rd, 2004. Outside Miami, Florida, a wave of terror is about to consume an innocent community. This crime was probably one of the most shocking crimes that I've investigated in my police career. Detective Sal Garfalo hears the killer's story firsthand. I turned him around again and proceeded to stab him. Michael Hernandez is an eighth grader on a mission to kill. He wanted his face on news. He wanted the infamy. Michael is obsessed with serial killers, like the fictional character Buffalo Bill from The Silence of the Lambs. Buffalo Bill is a very interesting serial killer on screen in that, like, he's not something that audiences were accustomed to. In the movie, FBI agents are desperate to track down Buffalo Bill before he kills again. The FBI is willing to work with a serial killer, Dr. Hannibal Lecter, that they are terrified of just to catch Buffalo Bill. But Michael is also taking notes. It really was about killing and how many people he could kill, and he identified with those serial killers. Michael takes what he learns from the movies and sets out to create his own evil legacy. Where did you stab him, Mike? I'm, I'm not positively sure, but I'm guessing around the jugular vein right around here. It felt like betrayal. It felt like my friend was plotting against me. My friend was literally plotting my demise. Thirteen-year-old Michael Hernandez has a dangerous infatuation. For the record, um, could you please state your name? Michael Hernandez. Very good. And what grade are you in? I'm in the eighth grade. Dr. J. Buzz von Ornsteiner, forensic psychologist. Michael Hernandez was obsessed with serial killers. It didn't matter to him if they were real or imaginary. The more they could kill the more he admired them. So what time did you get to school? Um, 8.25, a little after, between 18 and 30. One of his favorite movies, The Silence of the Lambs, features a true psychopath, the fictitious serial killer, Dr. Hannibal Lecter. Tyler Richardson, film critic. Hannibal Lecter was intelligent, uh, he was powerful, and that was how Michael saw himself. And when you arrived at school, where did you go to? I went to the fence on the outside of the parking lot, north of the parking lot. And why is that? Um, that's just where we, me and some other people would just hang out. But Michael isn't just satisfied learning about history's most vile subjects. He plans to someday become one of them. Andre Martin, classmate. He wanted to grow up and emulate serial killers who uh, who ended up living in infamy. 
Michael's exact words to me were that he thought it would be cool to be a serial killer. Why did you make the suggestion to Janie to go inside the school today? Um, I was planning to murder him. It's hard to know the evil lurking inside someone until it's too late. To everyone who knows him, Michael Hernandez appears to be an outgoing kid with a bright future. It's testimony Detective Saul Garfalo hears over and over again. Michael attended a magnet school. Uh, he was a very bright young man. Michael's two closest friends at school are Jamie Goff and Andre Martin. Michael was almost like the, the leader of our, our social group. Wherever Michael went or whatever Michael said we, we were doing next, that's what we did. There was definitely no resistance to, to any ideas that Michael might have come up with. Among the gifted students, Michael is popular. He had a very magnetic personality, you know, was talking about something you wanted to listen. If you stayed around, Michael, you were, you were bound to meet somebody new or, or get some attention because he, he always had the attention. When you have charm and when you have charisma and when you strive for attention, that is a feeling of being empowered. Michael is born into a spiritual family that supports him every step of the way. He lived in a neighborhood here in Miami, Florida called Palmetto Bay. It's an upper middle-class neighborhood. Um, he lived with his mom, his dad, his sister, and their pet dog. So more or less the, the American dream, a pretty solid upbringing. On the outside, Michael appears to have it all. But on the inside, he's struggling. As we started to get older and started to become a little bit more self-conscious in our body images. Um, Michael expressed that, that he had a, an interest in working out to, to lose weight. Michael wanted to lose weight. Michael wanted to be in control. He wanted to be in control of what he ate, and he wanted to be in control of having a fit physique. Over the next few months, Michael focuses on working out. But what starts out as a healthy resolution soon turns into an obsession. What he was doing in order to lose his weight or maintain his weight loss was very unhealthy, both mentally and physically. My reaction when I saw the um, intensity of his workout schedule was uh, I was kind of shocked that, you know, he would adhere to this every day, at least according to him. This is what he had said. He worked out every day. But despite his dedication, Michael is never satisfied. Michael started to obsess not only over his body or his body weight, he started to obsess over other things. Besides his daily workout schedule, Michael begins to regulate every hour of his day. He had an agenda that he would bring every day to school. And in this agenda, um, he explained to us that he had his entire 24-hour day planned out uh, down to the minute. He would have time sectioned off to study, Time sectioned off to speak to people socially, time sectioned off to work out, time sectioned off to eat, to shower, and even to sleep. 
tracking everything in his journal for Michael Hernandez was a way of him feeling in control. Michael is haunted by a need to make everything in his life perfect. As part of his regiment, his entire closet was color-coordinated. So color-coordinated, meaning all the white shirts with the white shirts. If he had anything else that were colored, like red or, or black, those would be together. I would say the more control he wanted and the less control he got, the more his obsessions got stronger. Michael diagnoses himself with OCD, obsessive-compulsive disorder, something his parents begin to take note of. Mrs. Hernandez did say that she knew that her son was a little bit obsessive with the uh, things that he did. He did some repetitive behaviors. He took knives on the dining room table, and he would point all the knives in his direction. He also would open and close his garage door again and again. He did uh, mention to me that his mother has scheduled a psychiatrist or psychologist appointment for him, but we never ended up going. Michael's friends and parents believe his quirky behavior is nothing to be concerned about. Mrs. Hernandez did tell me that um, she associated these changes with uh, normal adolescence behavior. But the longer Michael suffers alone, the worse he gets. When you have insecurities and you can't seem to find solutions, especially in a 13-year-old's brain, you can become extremely depressed. The only thing that seems to catch his interest and bring him any sense of joy is murder. Michael's exact words to me were that he thought it would be cool to be a serial killer. And um, I asked him, asked him why, you know, what, what do you think would be so cool about being a serial killer? And as, as far as I remember him telling me, he explained to me that he didn't have an, an exact reason. I believe that most of what, what Michael did was for attention. Michael looked up as much information as he could regarding serial killers. He would read books about them. Uh, he would watch movies about them. Michael is especially drawn to the 1991 Academy Award-winning film, The Silence of the Lambs. The Silence of the Lambs was a film that followed a young FBI agent, Clarice Starling, played by Jodie Foster, as she is investigating a serial killer who has kidnapped a young woman. The Best Picture Thriller also features acclaimed actor Sir Anthony Hopkins as the disturbed therapist, Dr. Hannibal Lecter. Clarice is trying to get information out of Dr. Lecter so that she can catch the serial killer that um, is being hunted in the film. Investigators believe the serial killer goes by the nickname Buffalo Bill. His character in the movie is based on the real-life murderer Ed Gein. Ed Gain was notorious for making skin suits out of his victims. The motivation behind Buffalo Bill's character speaks to Michael as he shares his fascination about serial killers with his best friend Andre. Between the real life and fictional serial killers, I think he tried to take aspects of, of both and, 
you know, bring them into himself, whether it was Hannibal Lecter in Silence of the Lambs or, you know, Ted Bundy in real life. I think he found aspects of, of you know, both fiction and reality that, that he appreciated. Michael wants the power these serial killers have over their own lives and the lives of others. He was solely directed for power and control, and he wanted that in his life. But the kind of attention Michael is looking for comes with a price. The power to kill someone is the ultimate action of control. Michael didn't want to be famous. He wanted to be infamous. Infamous is being known for being evil. Infamous is being known for being a serial killer. 13-year-old Michael Hernandez already knows what he wants to be in life, a serial killer. I believe that in the same way that, that kids grow up uh, wanting to emulate rock stars and actors and actresses, rappers, uh, he wanted to grow up and emulate serial killers who, uh, who ended up living in infamy. Michael is an eighth-grade gifted student who thrives on being the center of attention. But lately, he's felt a compulsion to control every aspect of his life. With Michael, he felt he needed to write everything down and list it. To write it down and then follow that to the letter. It's another way of trying to gain control of your life in your environment. Michael keeps a detailed journal of his day-to-day -day activities and goals for the future. One of his, his hobbies was his interest in, in serial killers um, and, you know, graphic movies that depict murder. Michael is fascinated by Buffalo Bill in The Silence of the Lambs. Buffalo Bill is the serial killer that um, is being hunted in the film. His character was something unlike what we've seen on screen at that point. Michael is inspired by the control serial killers have over their own lives and the lives of their victims. He did not seem to enjoy other people's company unless he was the one in control. In many ways, he was a good actor. Acting in a movie, he showed the public what he thought they wanted to see, then alone on his computer. Then the real Michael came out. So the two different people, almost like a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. The darker side of Michael immerses himself in the prospects of committing murder. In his journal, he creates a list of violent video games to play and horror movies to study. Some of the movies there that I had uh, seen that he had written down, I remember seeing Silence of the Lambs, and I believe that that was one of Michael's uh, favorite, favorite movies. Obviously, Michael uh, believed that it was more than entertainment. Michael spends most of his time locked away from society. I noticed that his, uh, his taste went from popular dance music to more obscure music that he would um, download online. Songs that told stories, but they were always graphic stories of people being murdered or raped. 
He also began to look for real crime scene photos online. Um, photos of dead bodies and uh, a number of online videos of people who had been killed. In regards to the websites, he would just explain about how, how cool he thought it was. That's how he would talk about these, you know, horrific images or, or videos. Although disturbing, Michael's best friends, Andre and Jamie, believe his obsession with death is just a phase. Until they get a glimpse of Michael's evil side. We had a middle school football game called the Turkey Bowl, and Michael, Jamie, and myself were hanging out with a few other students. And one of the students basically was making a, a joke like young boys do. And uh, it was directed at Michael. Michael didn't take very kindly to it. So on this particular day, Michael had a screwdriver with him. The screwdriver was for his bedroom door because he, uh, he would lock his bedroom door prior to leaving the house every day because he didn't want his sister messing with his things. That was his explanation to us. Michael is emboldened by the weapon. So once he and the, uh, the students started having a verbal dispute, uh, Michael took the screwdriver out. Michael then attacks the kid. I do remember myself and Jamie urging him to step away from that student so he, he didn't get into any trouble. It added to my reasoning that something was off with him. I just, I never had any instinct of, of the extent that he would take it to. I always get the question about uh, when I started noticing changes in Michael. And to be honest, in, in, in my personal opinion, um, I don't think there was a point when he turned off or on, when there was a, a stark change in his personality. Uh, Personally, I believe that, that the changes were, were very internal. But as the weeks go by, Michael only gets worse. Michael came to school one day with marks on his arms. Uh, and to me, in, in eighth grade, at the young age of 13, they looked like cut marks. They looked like intentional cut marks. So I confronted him about it. I asked him what they were, and he told me that he had been cutting himself. So I asked him why, and his answer very frankly to me was to feel the pain. We know that cutters usually cut themselves because they find that it alleviates the stress, frustration, and anger that is within their emotional brain. Surrounded by images of violence and terror, Michael is tired of only dreaming about becoming a serial killer. The violent images just add to his need for violence. It makes him feel that others have done this so I can do it. Where Michael switched was in his brain. He no longer wanted to self-damage himself. He wanted to damage others. In the movie The Silence of the Lambs, Buffalo Bill identifies with Adolf Hitler. He's got Nazi swastikas everywhere from his bed covers to posters on the wall. 
Michael also becomes infatuated with Hitler's culture. I do remember seeing the Nazi symbol in his uh, book. He wanted to uh, start a cult where he could, uh, I imagine, recruit people. And he said he wanted to uh, start a new war. That struck me as complete shock because all of our friends were various races, Hispanic, Black. We had friends who were Asian who we would hang out with. Very diverse group of friends. In his journal, Michael writes his most dangerous ideas. After six months of researching serial killers and fantasizing about murder, Michael is ready to experience it for himself. But first, he'll need a weapon. His father owned a consignment shop, and Michael had expressed an interest in collecting knives. So his father got these knives for Michael, and uh, that's how he was able to, to get this um, weapon. Michael brings one of his knives to school and shows it off to Andre and Jamie. I believe that he, he brought the knife because it's something that we weren't supposed to have, an item that he knew he could get in trouble for having. So it was, it was almost the, the thrill of, of having it there at school and not getting caught. He's getting more angry, more prepared, more brazen in his feelings and emotions. Showing a knife in school shows you're the one in control. You're the one to be feared. You're the one on top. So it gave him a feeling of power. He wants to feel as ruthless and deadly as Dr. Hannibal Lecter or Buffalo Bill in The Silence of the Lambs. Michael is a ticking time bomb. We can see this happening. We can see how his brain is working because we have his writing. In his journal, Michael plans out his first murder. Michael's goal was to become a serial killer. And to me, I know that a serial killer has to kill three people on different occasions to, uh, to uh, qualify as a serial killer. So Michael picks his three victims. He had a hit list in his journal in which my name was the first. And then there was his sister and Jamie. He wanted to, to kill the three of us because, that, because we were close to him and, and we trusted him. And we would be easy targets. In Silence of the Lambs, FBI agent Clarice Starling discovers Buffalo Bill starts by killing people he knows well. Michael is planning to follow his lead. Michael thought of his friends as objects. Nothing more than that. To kill and then to discard. Had you had planned to do this to Jamie? Yes, I, yes, I did. Why did you choose Jamie, your friend? He, would, he was the easiest out of anybody because he would have followed me because we're such good friends. And I knew he would have followed me in there and done what I would have said. 
It's Dr. J. Buzz von Ornsteiner. Did you know you can stream the Copycat Killers TV series, including this episode on Silence of the Lambs on Roku and Fire TV? Well, you can. Just download the Reels app and subscribe to see the TV show behind this podcast. And if you've got Prime, it's on Amazon channels too. You could even find episodes about killers inspired by Breaking Bad, Hannibal, and The Dark Knight before they're released here. Plus, you'll get to see what I look like in the show. I know you're curious. Copycat Killers comes from the real crime fans at Reels Channel. Find Reels on your TV at Reels.com. That's R-E-E-L-Z.com. Eighth grader Michael Hernandez is preparing to murder like the notorious serial killers he admires. Michael liked horror films and Michael liked violent films. For Michael, it was to study the actions of how to kill and how to get away with it is what was driving him. Using it, the film, as a manual so he could then become an expert at it. Michael idolizes the Academy Award-winning film The Silence of the Lambs and studies the film's two serial killers, Dr. Hannibal Lecter and Buffalo Bill. Buffalo Bill and Hannibal Lecter's first victims were people that they were familiar with. Off-screen, Michael mimics his fictional heroes as he creates his own list of familiar victims. His two best friends, Andre Martin and Jamie Goff, and his own sister, Christina. He chose his first victims because they were the most accessible. Once he selects his prey, Michael sets out to plan their murders. What did he get out of wanting to be like these serial killers? And in my opinion, it tied together uh, the two parts of Michael's personality. He always wanted to be the center of attention, but he always wanted the utmost respect. He wanted everyone to, to almost fear him and respect him. In The Silence of the Lambs, Buffalo Bill lures one of his victims straight into his trap by pretending he needs help loading furniture into his van. Buffalo Bill goes through a lot of trouble to stalk his victims. He knows their schedule. He knows where to hide, where they're going to park, what kind of assistance that he can offer so that he can lure them into his van and knock them out. Michael is planning something similar. He told me that His plan uh, encompassed luring his friends into the boys' room under the auspices that he was going to show them something. It seems like a simple plan, or so Michael believes. Michael thinks he is superior to everyone and that he'll be able to do this with no problem because he's been watching it and he's been researching it. Michael knows that in order to get away with murder, he'll first need to be prepared. He selects a windbreaker to wear over his clothes in case of blood splatter. He also packs a baseball cap to conceal his identity if there are any eyewitnesses. Michael picks his weapon and hides it in a secret compartment in his backpack. Okay. Now, Mike, where did you get this knife from? I have a knife collection. Uh-huh. I've been collecting knives, and as I said, my dad has a store. And I asked him for some knives. He's like, all right, you can take them. Because I wanted a switch, not a switch, but like a knife that can come out. I think they call them gravity knives. Yeah. 
Michael also packed some latex gloves to avoid leaving his fingerprints at the crime scene. Now, you also said that you put on gloves. What kind of gloves were these? They were latex gloves. My mother purchased them at Walgreens the previous night. It was at my request because I said that I needed them for extra credit for my science class. The last detail of Michael's plan is a personal one. He is going to carry out his plan on February 2nd, Michael's 14th birthday. He wanted a birthday present, and he wanted to give that present to himself. And that present was then to commit murder. On his birthday, Michael meets up with Andre and Jamie outside of the school. Michael showed up at school wearing a windbreaker over his white T-shirt. Michael never wore any, any warm clothing. He said that, you know, he wanted to show something inside the school. It seemed a, a little odd to me, but he went along with it. You know, this is my friend, and, and, I, and I trusted him. Like he planned, Michael lures his prey into the second-floor boys' bathroom. So once we got into the bathroom, Michael, Jamie, and myself, Michael took a position on the far wall of the bathroom. And once he got to that wall, he took a baseball cap out of the front pocket of the windbreaker and, and put it on his head. We got to the bathroom, and I was trying to convince Andre to go into the stall. And how were you going to do that? I told him that I had something to show him. One of the things I think about till this day, and it, it almost gives me goosebumps, is once we enter the bathroom, his face changed completely. A look came into his eye. It was, it was just a, a blank stare as, as if, you know, there, were, there was a job that needed to be done. It'll only take a second. Promise. Okay. Yes. And what was his response to that? His, respo his response, he didn't want to do it, so he said no. So I asked him, you know, what is it you need to show me? Why do you need to show me in the bathroom stall? Why, why can't you show me here in the main part of the bathroom? So... He said, uh, because I need to show you in here inside the bathroom stall. I was still very unsure. Um, Jamie was to my left, and Jamie volunteered to go. Jamie saw that I was reluctant. Jamie said he would go first. But Andre feels something is very wrong. A, a very, you know, heavy gut feeling comes across me that something is, something is off, something's wrong. I guess the reason it was just an accumulation of, of everything that I noticed in the prior months with um, Michael cutting himself with Michael mentioning that he's been researching serial killers so intensely and, and mental disorders. Michael's situation with the screwdriver with the other student at that uh, football game. Now, did Jamie agree? Did Jamie say, I'll come in, I'll look? Yes, he did. Okay. And what did you say at that point? I said, no, he's going to go first. I wanted to get Andre killed first okay. before I got Jamie. Michael Hernandez is about to attempt a copycat crime against his two best friends, Jamie and Andre, in the first steps he believes to becoming a notorious serial killer. Michael was obsessed with real and cinematic serial killers like Dr. Lecter and Buffalo Bill from The Silence of the Lambs. But similar to when FBI agent Clary Starling obstructs Buffalo Bill, Michael is also interrupted. Before he can stab his two friends, 
the school bell rings. You can see Michael's attention kind of uh, revert to the to the bell. Second uh, bell for class rings, and he says that we can't be late for class, and that he'll show us tomorrow. Meet here tomorrow, same time, same place. So we all agree to meet up the next day, and as we're leaving the bathroom, his exact words to me were, "Tomorrow's going to be a special day." The next day, Michael arrives back at the bathroom and waits for his friends to walk straight into his trap. Michael was very determined to accomplish uh, his desire to kill somebody. Michael was going to do this one way or the other. But to Michael's surprise, hey Mike. Oh, hey Jamie. Only Jamie shows up. I was part of an after-school club in which I was an officer. And on this particular morning, I met up with my club members to discuss uh, club business, and I completely forgot to meet up with Michael and Jamie. In a twist of fate, Andre is nowhere near the impending attack. Of the belief that that's truly an act of God, because I truly had every intention of of meeting up with them to see what it is that Michael had to show me. Back in the bathroom, Michael is done waiting for Andre to arrive. He knows he's running out of time. But I can still show you that whole thing. All right. It'll only take a second. I got him into the stall by saying, look, I have something to show you. Okay. So what's the surprise? Oh, oh yeah, uh, it's, it's in here. So Michael said that he, he then pulled out his latex gloves and began to put them on. Uh, why are you putting gloves on? He goes, no, no, I just like the way that they feel. Yeah, I need you to do me a favor, okay? Favor? Yeah. I told him turn around because I wanted to be a surprise. Michael said then he then removed the knife from the single pocket on his windbreaker. That's it's part of the surprise. I was talking to him and I told him, all right, now, I'm not, now, I have to put my hand over your mouth. Okay. And so I did, and I lifted his neck up. Michael slits Jamie's throat. He turned around after I did that. He asked me not to kill him. So I told him, Okay, I'm not going to if you cooperate. Okay. It was a lie. Die, Jamie! Die! Michael savagely stabs Jamie 41 times. Each strike is more forceful than the last. Did you stab him anywhere else on his body? Just... Basically, the back of the neck, all through the neck. And once in the temple, and I think I sliced him here. Michael said to make sure that he was dead, I continued to stab him with the point of the knife throughout the head. How did you know he was dead? I made sure by taking my knife, the point of my knife, and poking him in the face. And I checked his eyes also, and they were motionless.
After Michael is finished, he makes sure not to leave any evidence behind. Mike said that he then took off his gloves, he flushed them down the toilet, and he washed his hands. He shoves his windbreaker and the knife he used to kill Jamie into his backpack. He walked out of the bathroom and went to class. Although Michael is late, no one seems to notice. For Michael, he reportedly acted in the manner that he normally did, just an ordinary day. He was laughing, he's joking, he was very casual. Certainly not the behaviors one would associate with a teenager who had just murdered his best friend. But Michael is about to learn he's made a mistake. He has Jamie's blood on his shirt. Michael said that he had to go to the bathroom to clean up because uh, he had injured himself at school that, that morning. Michael's teacher lets him go. She has no idea that her student has just committed a ghastly copycat crime. Michael Hernandez has just killed his best friend, Jamie Goff, in a premeditated attack in his middle school bathroom. Michael thought he could get away with it. Believe it or not, he thought he would get away with this killing and then he would kill more. He had completely given in to his impulse to murder. Michael has spent months studying prolific serial killers, including the fictional Dr. Hannibal Lecter from the film The Silence of the Lambs. Dr. Lecter was a psychiatrist, well-respected, uh, but... He has a pension for eating people. Dr. Lecter might be one of the most cunning killers in cinema history. But during most of his first film, he's behind bars. In Hannibal Lecter's case, uh, when we meet him, he has been outsmarted and captured by the FBI, and he's in prison. Now, Michael is facing the same fate. Shortly after Jamie's murder, his crime scene is found. The victim was discovered lying uh, on the floor inside the commode by, uh, by other students. School authorities frantically call 911. They have no idea what kind of deranged killer could still be on the loose. There was a, an announcement on the PA system that school was under lockdown. What they explained to us was that a, uh, a boy was found dead in the school. They didn't explain to us that it was a murder. Surrounded by his frightened classmates, Michael does his best to appear normal. But soon his cover is blown. We learned that Michael was friends with the victim and that Michael had gone to his class and told his teacher that he had sustained an injury when Jamie just playfully pushed open the door and it hit um, Michael in the mouth. Michael is taken out of class and led to an interrogation room. Do you know an individual 
by the name of um, Jaime or Jamie Goff? Yes, I do. And how how do you know Jamie? Um, we've been friends since the seventh grade. Over the next several hours, as detectives grill Michael about his role in Jamie's death, he slowly begins to unravel. I don't believe Michael ever realized that his plan was falling apart. He thought he was in a superior situation where he actually controlled everyone else. At first, Michael lies about his role in Jamie's death. He tries to play coy like Hannibal Lecter in The Silence of the Lambs. Originally, Michael told me that the person responsible for this was a person by the name of Sangre and that he was a 17-year-old gangbanger uh, Spanish kid. Earlier, you had told me a story that um, Andre owed an individual Sangre. Jamie owed Sangre. That Jamie, I'm sorry, that Jamie owed Sangre money. Yes, Michael told me that, you know, he gave the knife to Sangre and that Sangre just started stabbing and he didn't know what to do. But detectives don't believe any of Michael's lies. They ask to look inside his backpack and are shocked by what they find. Inside the bag was the uh, windbreaker, a knife, uh, latex gloves. There was blood on the, uh, the windbreaker, and um, the knife, of course, was bloody as well. Detectives request a search warrant for Michael's house. There they find his journal, which details his deadly plan. After the journal was discovered, I think all of us you know, were shocked to see the intentions that he had. It opened uh, everyone's eyes that a 14-year-old kid could be this, you know, this, this evil. Back at the station, Michael confesses to killing his best friend. Now, Mike, you know the difference between right and wrong, correct? Yes, I do. Do you think what you did is right or wrong? No, I don't. Well, what don't you think? I think it is neither right, but I don't think it was wrong. Are you sorry?